Welcome to the For Your Soul Podcast, a podcast for your soul. Welcome to the For Your Soul Podcast, a podcast for your soul in which we desire to equip the church with sound doctrine and biblical truth. I am your host, Milton Quintanilla, and welcome to the 10th episode of the For Your Soul Podcast and to the final episode in my Characteristics of the Bible series. If you have not listened to the series, you can go back to my previous episodes as I covered the authority of Scripture along with the truthfulness and sufficiency of Scripture. And I also did some episodes on the clarity of Scripture and the necessity of Scripture. And today we have the sufficiency of Scripture. Now, when it comes to the sufficiency of Scripture, what does it mean? We've heard it many times, but do we do we know what it means? Allow me to give you a definition. The sufficiency of Scripture means that God has provided everything He wants us to know in His Word such as his plan of salvation and how we can live for him. During the Protestant Reformation, the principle of sola scriptura, Latin for scripture alone, which was one of several principles in the Protestant Reformation, also known as the five solas. When it, but when it comes to the sufficiency of scripture, it is tied in with sola scriptura as the church's supreme authority in spiritual matters. Pastor John MacArthur of Grace Community Church he further elaborates how sola scriptura applies to the Christian life as opposed to what it does not mean. Now, when it comes to the sufficiency of scripture, it does not mean that that God has answered every question that we, we want to ask, but instead it, it gives us everything he wants to tell us, such as his plan of salvation and the gospel. Now, going back to John MacArthur, this is what he writes concerning sola scriptura. And I quote, the Reformation principle of sola scriptura has to do with the sufficiency of scripture as our supreme authority in all spiritual matters. Sola scriptura means that all truth necessary for our our salvation and spiritual life is taught either explicitly or implicitly in scripture. It is not a claim that all truth of every kind is found in scripture. The most ardent defender of sola scriptura will concede, for example, that scripture has little or nothing to say about DNA structures, microbiology, the rules of Chinese grammar, or rocket science. This or that scientific truth, for example, may or may not be actually true, whether or not it can be supported by scripture. But scripture is a more sure word, standing above all other truth in its authority and certainty. It is more sure, according to the Apostle Peter, that the data we find we gather firsthand through our senses Therefore, Scripture is the highest and supreme authority on any matter on which it speaks. Okay, so that is a nice description of Sola Scriptura by Pastor John MacArthur. That being said, let us proceed. So when it comes to this sufficiency of Scripture, we recognize that God has given us everything He wants us to hear in His Word. All the when it comes, whether, whether it's the gospel, whether it's the sinfulness of man, whether it's the attributes of God, how the church should walk before him, and so forth, the Bible is enough to tell us those things. Now, while many may affirm the sufficiency of Scripture, few actually hold fast to it. 
Unfortunately, as we as many of us know, the word of God today is either watered down or jettisoned altogether in our churches. Therefore, we need to get back to the word of God and get back to the sufficiency of scripture, not just simply in recognition, but in practice. Otherwise, are we really valuing God's word as we say we do? With that introduction, allow me to share a few three points in stressing the sufficiency of scripture. Point number one, scripture is sufficient because it is inspired by God who empowers his people to live a godly life. Point number two, scripture is sufficient because God is sufficient. Point number three, scripture is sufficient, therefore, nothing else needs to be added or removed. Right, and I'm going to break these three points down separately. Point number one, scripture is sufficient because it is inspired by God who empowers his people to live a godly life. And to elaborate on my first point, I will present to you a very common text used when it comes to the sufficiency of scripture, and that is found in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And the verse reads, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, this first point will also be divided up into two subpoints. Subpoint A, divine inspiration, and subpoint B, divine empowerment. So let's go to subpoint A, divine inspiration. First, notice that the text that I just read, it says that all scripture is God-breathed, meaning that the Bible is inspired by God. Therefore, it is a supernatural book. It is not something that a best-selling author can come close to that. It doesn't matter how much research you do. No amount of research can, can compare to the Holy Scriptures because it is inspired by God. For the Lord has given his word to the church as a means of grace in order to live out the life that he has intended us to live. Hence the words, thoroughly equipped, which goes to show that Scripture is sufficient. While we acknowledge that our lives isn't perfect, right? Because we know that even as Christians, we fall short, we sin each day. It does not mean that God's word has failed or that it's insufficient. No. To reiterate the text, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Right? So... Moving on to subpoint B, divine empowerment. When we think of the word of God today, we know that it is rejected because number one, it's either too controversial and number two, people want to reject objective truth. But not only that, apart from the rejection of the word of God from the world, we even have Christians who, although they believe in, they believe that the Bible is God's word, but yet they deny its efficiency. In other words, they don't think that God's word is enough to live out the Christian life because perhaps they feel like they can't live up to its standards, so they try to conclude more it's needed. Or some just think that it's too controversial, therefore they need to either water it down or seek out a different message altogether. Now, when it comes to the sufficiency of Scripture, not only do we recognize that it is inspired by God, but that God in his divine power, he enables his people to walk before him in a life of godliness. And one text that I have here that stresses that 
point is from Second Peter chapter 1, verse 13. And the text reads as follows. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Again, that is Second Peter chapter 1, verse 13. So for those who say that the Bible isn't enough or insufficient for walking with God, let me encourage you. No, let me strongly encourage you to reconsider. For it is God and his divine power. He has given us everything we need to live a godly life, which includes his word, which is breathed out by God. It is divinely inspired. And you mean to tell me that it's not enough, so you have to somehow resort to human means in order to grow in godliness? Church, let me remind you that apart from him, you can do absolutely nothing. You couldn't save yourself because you were lost in your sins. So God, through Jesus Christ, in the power of the regeneration of the Holy Spirit, he gave you a new nature, a new heart. He's given you his word. He's shown grace upon grace upon you. All of this was, was an act of God. Therefore, who are we to reject his word that was given to us so that we may be equipped? And not only that, he empowers us to walk before him. If you are someone who is a professing Christian and does not believe in the sufficiency of Scripture, I urge you to perish the thought immediately and turn back to the Bible because it is sufficient. It is enough. And we must give God thanks because in Christ, through the power of His Holy Spirit, we can live a life unto Him who has saved us and called us His own. Now, in both verses that I just mentioned, we see that God's inspired word and distribution of power, it is all an act of grace. And to further elaborate on that, I want you to think of the Ten Commandments. Now, we know that the Ten Commandments was something that God had given to Moses so that he would give to his people Israel. And even that was an act of grace. It wasn't even something that Moses had proposed to God when he was with him on Mount Sinai. But rather, God had given Moses the Ten Commandments right after he took him out of Israel and I want to point out something here that right before God issues the Ten Commandments to Moses he issues a reminder that he had provided redemption first as he had taken them out of Egypt before he provided the Ten Commandments and uh Allow me to explain right now. So this is what God says to Moses and right before he gives the Ten Commandments. In Exodus 20, verse 2, he says, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So first we, we see that God, he brings the Israelites out of Egypt as his Redeemer, which was then followed by the Ten Commandments. It wasn't the Ten Commandments first. Hey, do this and I'll liberate you out of Egypt. No, God in his grace, in his mercy, in maintaining his faithfulness and covenant promises, took his people out of Egypt. And then he provides the Ten Commandments. Starting in the next verse, verse 3, where the first commandment he gives from the Ten Commandments, it says, you shall not have no other gods before me. Okay, so we see his grace first, and then his word, his law. And in like manner, we can also see it, we can parallel it to our salvation in Christ because we know that in Christ, 
we weren't saved in Christ because we upheld the law. Because none of us were able to uphold the law. Nobody, not even one person. Only Jesus Christ who was able to live it out and to complete it, to fulfill it as he lived a perfect sinless life. Therefore, he was able to save us. And now we have his, we have been given his word, not in order to attain salvation, but as God's way of showing us how we can live for him. Okay, so please do not mistake this as salvation by works, but rather our conversion is expressed through works. It is expressed through living a godly life. It is expressed through walking before the Lord. And I have some more verses here that show that living a godly life goes hand in hand with living accordance to his word. Psalm 119, which is a beautiful psalm that stresses just the beauty of walking with God's word. And it's a really, it's a really long psalm, which I'm not going to read, but I'm going to quote some verses here. In the first verse of Psalm 119, it says, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. And Psalm 119, verse 9, says, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. That being said, we recognize that scripture, it helps us. It is like a guide for us in walking before the Lord. Therefore, it further demonstrates that it is sufficient. Point number two, scripture is sufficient because God is sufficient. When it comes to the sufficiency of scripture, let us note that the same God who inspired it is the same God who is sufficient. God doesn't need anyone to sustain him. We need Instead, we need him to sustain us. He owes us nothing while we owe him everything. God who created the universe sustains it today with the word of his power. And how much more our lives? As he told the Apostle Paul, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is is made perfect in weakness. As his grace is sufficient, his word is likewise sufficient because, as I said before, he has given us everything we need in order to live a godly life. Now, some some people may say, oh, but didn't God use human beings to write the scriptures? Yes, that is that is true. That's very true. But apart from God, they, they would not have written the Bible. You know, at the end of the day, God is the ultimate author because it is he who directs how his word should be fit. For instance, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, it says here, For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So based on this text, we see that just as prophecy was not provided by the will of man, so the Bible as a whole was not produced by the will of man. It was through God's direction and empowerment by his Holy Spirit so that we would have all 66 books in the Bible, Old and New Testament. And it is enough. And not only is it inspired by God, but it endures forever, which again goes to show the sufficiency of Scripture. If Scripture was not sufficient, then it wouldn't endure forever. It wouldn't be timeless. It would only be for the immediate context such as the time of the Israelites in the New Testament, but it wouldn't apply today. But 
obviously we recognize that it, it is not the case. The word of God endures forever. Going on to point number three, scripture is sufficient. Therefore, nothing else needs to be added or removed. And at this point, I want to show how the Bible stresses its sufficiency by warning against adding or removing from the scripture. Think of texts such as Revelation 22 verses 18 and 19, which reads, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life in the holy city, which is described in this book. And in Proverbs 30 verses 5 and 6, it reads, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, and if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. A sad tragedy that we see in most preachers today is that they read their ideas, desires, and opinions into the text as they are do as if they are doing God a favor. But on the contrary, and to be frank about this, they are doing a disservice to God because they are not taking the scriptures into account as it is written. And that's not good. It's bad. And I'm going to point out two dangers of what happens when preachers do not oppose to the sufficiency of scripture. The first danger is that people are deceived. They fail to know the truth because they fail to hear the truth. And I believe that the greatest threat to the church is not, the, it's not from the world, but from within. Because since preachers are supposed to divide, rightly divide the word of truth, but they don't, then how can the church itself grow? How can the church itself learn to walk in godliness? How can the church itself understand sound doctrine and biblical truth when that truth is not being provided? And instead something completely false and ungodly is is and even ungodly is provided so that's one that's the first danger the second danger is that false witness is evident while preachers may claim that they speak on god's behalf in reality they are bearing false witness for they are saying something that either god has never said or that is completely against his will so those are two dangers that that takes place when preachers don't stress the sufficiency of scripture. So in closing, I want to leave you with this verse from Jude. Jude verse 3. It says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. And the author of Jude had written to this church because false teaching had crept in and basically he was trying to warn them and best way to do that to fight to go fight against false teaching is to contend for the faith that was once that was delivered once for all to the saints church we must let that sink in for a second because when it comes to the sufficiency of scripture we must recognize that the bible the gospel Everything else that God has said in his word, it is a message delivered once and for all to the saints, to his church, to the bride of Christ. 
Therefore, why look for a replacement? Why seek for an alternative? Is it because it is too controversial? Is it because it doesn't line up with your feelings? Well, let me remind you that as his church, our lives are not our own, meaning that it is not about us. In fact, it was never about us. And it's definitely not about the world either because we know that the world is sinful. It doesn't matter how technology advanced we are. Yet, his word is still relevant today. And it will continue to be relevant forever. Therefore, it is sufficient. It is enough. So, I encourage you. I encourage you today, church, to recognize the sufficiency of Scripture for our lives. And that we may recognize that everything that God has wanted us to know, it is right there in His Word. To the glory of God. Thank you for listening to the For Your Soul podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it. And... I pray that this series would help you consider the major teachings of the Bible or the characteristics of the Bible and that you may grow in love with the Word of God because in an age where the Word of God is rejected or watered down, we need it like never before. That being said, I have a special announcement to make. I am proud to announce that the Four Year Soul Podcast has a listener support option. That's right. So if you feel led or if you would like to contribute to the For Your Soul podcast, you can go to anchor.fm slash for your soul slash support, which can also be which can also be found in the episode description. And you can feel free to donate. We there's like different options such as a monthly payment or if you want to donate individually, that's fine as well. I encourage you to to do so if you if you choose. It really helps keep the podcast going for more information on the four year soul podcast you can follow us on our social media platforms such as instagram facebook and twitter and you can also subscribe to our listening platforms as well as subscribe to our youtube channel and next week i will be doing my first interview with two friends who recently came out of one of the biggest prosperity churches in the world. And it will be part of a series in which we, I, we will be looking at their story, such as their conversion, how they came to Christ, and how they got involved in the prosperity gospel, to later on how they recognized that it was false and how they got out of the prosperity gospel to where they are now. And yeah, it, I'm very excited to, to, to do this interview which will be broken up into several episodes. And I know that there are so many that perhaps that you know or maybe you yourself had come out of the prosperity gospel and we know that, that it is it is a false gospel. It is definitely false. It is dangerous. And I pray that this upcoming series would open up some eyes, ears, and of people who are involved in this movement, whether it's friends, family, etc. And yeah, and as I recently just stressed in Jude verse 3 we must con- we must contend for the faith we must fight for the faith that was once delivered for all the saints because the wor- guess what the world's not going to do it for us it is the church's job to uphold the word of God in all of its characteristics such as the sufficiency of scripture alright thank you for listening once again to the First Soul Podcast God bless you and stay tuned for our next episode <laughs>